Reminding us of those who are called to the ministry, here's Pastor Ed Ray. Anyone who is a Christian is a minister because minister means to serve. If you're breathing and you're a Christian, you're a minister. If you're a mom, major minister. If you're a dad, you're a major minister. If you're a teacher, God bless you. We need to pray for you. You are a serious minister of Jesus Christ. If you own a business, you're a minister to your employees. If you're alive and a believer, Jesus is in your heart. You are a minister of the gospel, the good news that Jesus came and died for us in our place. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place, God will dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand singing, Hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, Let this world know me by your love. There is a false dichotomy that exists in the church between the clergy and the laity that the New Testament knows nothing of. The truth is, every believer in Jesus is called to share the good news. And yet some are frightened by the prospect, others are emboldened. But in both cases, the question remains, how are we to minister the gospel to others? Well, we'll find out what the scripture actually says about the ministry today on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're told how we're to minister the gospel. We're to do so like a mother and like a father. Now, beginning by reading our scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, here's Pastor Ed. Chapter 2, verse 1, Paul writes, For you yourselves know, brethren or brothers and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanliness, nor was it in deceit, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness, God is our witness, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you have become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us now, 
that through your spirit, you would charge us, that you would encourage us, you would comfort us, that you would cause us to grow in you. Have your way in each one of us, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Paul says, as a mother and as a father. So he's talking about himself and we'll see all of us as the way we minister, serve other people. So as a mother, I read this week about a junior high science teacher who was taking his kids through the physics lesson on magnets. And so it was all about magnetism, and he had demonstrations with magnets for the whole hour of his class. The next day, he had a quiz. And the first question on the quiz was, I'm thinking of a six-letter word. It begins with M, and it picks things up. And half of the kids in his class wrote mother. <laughs> so if you thought your junior high was thinking, you're right, they do. There's a guy named Bob Stamps. He's a professor at a Christian university. He told a great story he wrote about his, his son and daughter as a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And he went out to dinner with his wife and used a regular babysitter. He said, she's kind of a problem because teenager and she gets focused on the TV and sometimes the kids get into trouble. And this time when he came home, his son was standing there in the bathroom when he walked in with his electric shaver in his hand and a runway, you know, cut all the way down the center of his head doing this thing. And Peter Andrews is his name. He said, Peter Andrew, you're going to get a spank, and I told you not to touch my shaver, and here you are in here. And he takes him into the bedroom, he sits down, and his son says, where do you see my sister? And he goes, oh! And so he runs into daughter's room and looks, there's the four-year-old, but she had long, curly blonde hair. It was all gone. She said, you look like a skinned rabbit. There was nothing on her head, been shaved completely. He said, now you're really going to get a spanking. And so he puts him over his knee, and he's about ready to spank me. The kid breaks out into tears. He says, Daddy, Daddy, we were just trying to look like you. He's bald. <laughs> That's the picture Paul is using here, that we are, in fact, demonstrating what it means to be a believer to other people. Now, Paul uses the picture of a mother and a father in this. The way that he was serving, that's what the word minister means, serving these new believers at a city called Thessalonica. Now, Paul shares insights here like nowhere else in Scripture. In fact, these two chapters, two and three, are probably the most personal, intimate picture of Paul's heart. The reason and the way he gets involved in people's lives as he ministers, as he shares with them. Fully committed, all in. So, Paul is describing his own ministry. Now, the truth is, anyone who is a Christian is a minister, because minister means to serve. If you're breathing and you're a Christian, you're a minister. If you're a mom, major minister. If you're a dad, you're a major minister. If you're a teacher, God bless you. We need to pray for you. You are a serious minister of Jesus Christ. If you own a business, you're a minister to your employees. If you're alive and a believer, Jesus is in your heart. You are a minister of the gospel, the good news that Jesus came and died for us in our place. So Paul is speaking to those in Thessalonica. Now, this city still exists today. It was from Antioch, went through Laodicea where he had been stoned, we think maybe even to death in Lystra, and then gone up to Philippi first. Now, 
this city of Thessalonica, which is only about 55, 60 miles away, is a beautiful spot you can visit to this day. It's one of the few New Testament cities that's still walled. The old city walls are ancient. The city has uh, many churches in it. The Church of St. Paul, uh, Raylan and I sang in years ago, and it claims secession all the way back to the Apostle Paul. 2,000 years, this fellowship started in a home and has grown. It sits at the foot of Mount Olympus. It was called the Mountain of Gods because that's where the Olympics came from, of course, and Zeus and all the various Greek gods. So it was into this very Greek city filled with idols and temples that Paul came after going first to Philippi where he was arrested and beaten and they sent him and Silas into the prison. God had to rattle the door off its hinges with an earthquake. And long story short, after Paul had been beaten, they sent him down the road to Thessalonica. So when he arrives in Thessaloniki, as it's called today, or Salonica, he is battered. He probably still had, you know, black eye and lumps on his head from the beating that he had taken for setting a demon-possessed girl free and preaching the gospel. You can go read about it in Acts chapter 16. Now Paul had left there, gone down to Athens, and then on to Corinth, and we have the letters to the Corinthians. It's at Corinth that Paul writes this letter back because he'd sent Timothy up, and Timothy came back with good news. The church is going good. Now, Paul was only in this city of Thessaloniki for three Sabbaths, it says in Acts chapter 16. So we, it seems that he was there less than a month. But in that time, he poured himself into these people, and they're doing good, and 2,000 years later, they're still doing good. Okay, we're looking at three parts in this section. The gospel of God, verse 1 through 6. Then Paul said he treated them and treats them like a mother in 7 through 9. And he also treats them like a father in 10 through 12. And again, as we go through this, Paul is describing his own perspective, his own view, his worldview of ministering, of serving, but since we are all who are saved here ministers, he's really describing what our motivation, the way we should think about this great privilege of sharing the gospel, the good news. So let's jump into verse one, see what God would speak to each one of us because it definitely applies to us. For you yourselves know, brethren, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain. Paul will use this phrase, you know, nine times in this short letter. Aido is the Greek word, and the point is that they observed Paul. They saw his actions, they heard his words, and they saw that his words fit his actions. He's saying, you understand who I am and the team that was with me. We know he at least has Timothy, Dr. Luke, and Silas with him, probably some more. You can read over there next and tell me what you get. But he says his example that they lived in front of these people was an exemplary one. In other words, he, he's not bragging. He's saying, I showed you what it was to be a Christian. And honestly, that's all of our jobs, to live out publicly in front of other people what it means to have a personal relationship with God. You've turned to Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. 
He's been reminding us of our call to publicly live out the gospel. With more on what we're to do and not to do for that matter, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, here's Pastor Ed. Not entirely the way that we testify, the way that we witness, the way that we share, but the way we do business, or if you're a teacher, the way you teach, or if you're a mom, the way you take care of your kids, if you're a dad, the way you take care of your family and your home and how you act at work. And, and all those things are part of our witness. And Paul is focusing on the two of them. In fact, he uses the word for balance. They're balanced. Our actions fit our words. It wasn't in vain, he said. Another translation says it wasn't useless or fruitless. Another says it was not a failure. Here it says vanity. It was with results. Paul is saying that when we came to you, it wasn't just something new and novel that we tried to impress you with. We gave you truth. And he's going to say we gave you clear reality, the way things really are. You know, when we say the gospel is real, that it's true, that Jesus is truth, it means it's the way things really are. It, you may not be able to see it. You can't, except by faith today. But in eternity, we'll look back and went, goodness gracious, everything in that book was absolutely truth. There was just this facade up in front of us that we couldn't see. We think this is solid. It's not. Shoot an electron right through it. Never touch any of the atoms in between. That's the reality of this false-fronted Western town called the world that we live in. And the reality is these things, that God came and died for us. So, and when we accept that good news, that gospel, uh, a radical change takes place from the inside out. It's not about us trying harder. It's about us surrendering to God and allowing him to change us from the inside. It does take a lifetime, but he's slowly changing us constantly. Verse 2, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated in Philippi, rebeaten, stripes, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the, there it is again, gospel of God in much conflict. We came from a conflicted place in Philippi where we were beat and thrown into prison. And when we got to Thessalonica, we were run out of town and we ran from there down to Berea and then down to Athens and then down to Corinth. So you know that we were, the word spitefully treated is a single Greek word, agonai. It's where we get our word agonized. Paul says, we suffered physically. We were beaten and we were incarcerated. And then we came there in conflict and pain. And, and, and again, we were struggling. But Jesus said that's what the gospel would be like. He said that it would bring splitting between people. Here's the way he said it in Matthew 10, 32. Think not that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to send peace send peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man at variance against his own father and mother and sister and household. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoa, 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 what are we saying here, Jesus? I got to hate my mom and dad. No, no, no. But when you come to the Lord full tilt all the way, 100% Jesus, master and Lord of your life, many times people who you care greatly about will think you've lost your mind. When I became a believer, 
my mother said, you've joined a cult, and now you're going to take my granddaughter to the far ends of the earth. You're going to die in Russia, and I'll never hear about it for six months after you're all dead. You got to get out of that cult. No, no, mom, it's called Christianity. It's called following Jesus. And some of you know that. Your own mom and dad thought you were crazy, or your grandparents, or maybe it's your kids. Enough with the Jesus stuff. Quit talking to me about Jesus all the time. Mom, really? Is that all there is? Well, <laughs> in eternity, you're going to thank me because that's all there is. It's all about him. So Paul is saying, uh, I expected this, but I was bold. He said, I was bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God. Paul was no closet believer. He was going for it. Not, I had to be a little more tactful after I got beaten in Philippi. No, no, no. He turned up the heat. He pressed the throttle all the way to the ground. He went for it. He was not a man who was afraid of people. He was, in fact, wanting to get people saved. Fear of men, Proverbs 29:25, is a snare. That's where he's going with this. Don't be worried about the faces of people. The fear of man means afraid of their face, to look a person in the eye. Paul said, I wasn't afraid to look kings in the eye and paupers. I wasn't afraid to speak to governors and to poor beggars because all are equal at the foot of the cross. All ground is level at the foot of the cross and we're all just God's children in front of the cross. So Paul said, I, I didn't hold back. I wasn't too clever with my words. I just gave the gospel. Verse 3, for our exhortation when we came to you, when we encouraged you, did not come from error or uncleanliness, nor was it in deceit. Paul has given us an insight into the charlatans that went around the Roman Empire selling snake oil, okay? They were doing that whole Old West thing. He's, deceit is the Greek word plain. He says, like we get our English word plain from it, to wander without a course, without a path, without a way of knowing where you're going. Paul said, I, I didn't dilute the gospel. I didn't take side trips. I stayed right on track. Number two, no uncleanliness. Acartharsis is where we get our word catharsis. A in the Greek language in front of it means no. No cleanliness. Paul says, that wasn't my motive. We weren't doing things for greed, what I might receive, some notoriety or being famous or anything. I wasn't there to get. I was there to give to give away the most precious gift in the world, the pearl of great price, the thing that's worth more than anything this world contains, eternal life. No uncleanliness in his way of speaking. No guile. Dolos is the Greek word. It means to appeal to sinful flesh of passions, to try and manipulate people with your words. And there's a thousand jokes about politicians. I'm not going there. He's saying he didn't change his culture now, don't misunderstand me. We do have to tailor the gospel to the society, the culture we're speaking to. But if you try and make it fit too well, if you're trying to be so cool that you're cussing in the middle of sharing about Jesus, you're probably not doing the right thing. And you say, well, why would you even say that, Pastor? Because I'm watching young pastors do that. It drives me crazy. Whatever things are good, whatever things are holy, whatever things are just, think on these things. Let no unclean thing comes from your mouth. And 20 other scriptures. Verse 4. Relax, Pastor. Verse 4. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. He keeps talking about the gospel, have you noticed? Even so we speak, not as pleasing, but God who tests our heart. 
proved here or approved means to be tested and allowed to be found qualified. When you give your heart to the Lord, then he gives you the great privilege of the words of eternal life. Wow. You get to share with people that God loves them and wants them to spend eternity with them. And you can say that with all the conviction, all the power of truth for eternity. You get to represent God as ambassador and say, you believe in Jesus and he'll forgive your sins and take you all the way to heaven. Is that like the privilege of all times? So Paul wanted to keep that honor of sharing the good news with others in front of them. It was the main thing I did, verse five, for neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, there's you know again, because you saw it, nor a cloak for covetousness, as God is our witness. You know it, and God knows it. Never once did we try and win you over with flattery. You didn't play differently to people with money than people without money. Paul never tried to butter up anyone or any way you want to say it. Flattery disarms people, but it also is phony. Paul says, I didn't do this to make friends with people and then get their money, nor did I use it to covet things, uh, to want what they have. Now, what he's saying back then and to this day, there are people who want to represent God for money. That's their driving motive. I had a guy come to me a while back, and it still just rings in me, who said, somebody told me you're a pastor, is that right? I said, yeah. He said, how can I become an evangelist? I said, well, that's an interesting question. Why do you ask? Because I knew there was something not quite right the way he said it. He said, well, a friend of mine told me that if I got a tent and I went around as an evangelist, I could make $10,000 a day. Really? I should buy a tent with you. (laughs) No, I said, that's horrible. You're telling me you want to use God so you can make money? And then I thought, you know, I know quite a few guys I'm suspicious of. That's why they became pastors because they didn't want to work. They said, you know, you only have to work one day a week. If you're a pastor, you talk for an hour and that's all you have to do. Really? And you make all kinds of money. Oh yeah, yeah, that's why I left the hospital in biochemistry so I could make all this money here. <laughs> Third cut and pay and yeah. Got nothing to do on board stiff, you know, six days of the week and there's only one you have to work. No, 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 no. That's what Paul is talking about. People coveting some kind of position so they could make money off of God. Oh my goodness, you're going to stand before him someday and say that? Verse 6, nor did we seek glory, being famous, nobility from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. So let me put this back on you and I, because he's really talking about himself, but he's talking about our motive for telling people about God. And he's saying, I didn't do it so that people would think better of me. In fact, the result was usually that people thought worse of Paul, but he did it to be a servant, to be other-centered, to give away his faith to people that desperately needed it but didn't realize it. And that's a summary of today. You and I are surrounded by people every day who are on a path straight to hell. Yes, we use the H word here, it's okay who are on a path to hell, and they don't realize it. Just like you and I were on a path to hell, and we didn't realize it, or some of us did, and didn't care, and we're going anyway. So Paul is saying, my motive was 
to pull people out of the fire. That's kind of a crude way to say it, Pastor. I don't think so. I think it's very accurate when you just remove everything down to reality. If there's only two places to spend eternity, smoking or non-smoking, and I prefer the non-smoking. In light of this reality, you'll no doubt want to make sure you reserve your place now by believing in Jesus. You're listening to Grow in Grace. Pastor Ed Ray is going through 1 Thessalonians right now. And for a CD copy of today's message, give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or listen online at thepackinghouse.org. You can find many more resources to help you grow in grace when you visit thepackinghouse.org, like Pastor Ed's devotional. Are you looking for a good book? Allow me to suggest The Jesus Style by Gail Irwin. It's a good one. Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus taught that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, become the servant of all. He also modeled this through how he lived. And that's the emphasis of the Jesus style. You'll learn how to follow in the Lord's footsteps and become the servant of all. And we'll send this your way for a gift of any amount. We rely on the support of our listeners to bring these shows to the radio each day. Large or small, each and every gift is appreciated and put to good use, helping many around the world grow in grace. To make a contribution and request the Jesus Style today, call us at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. This program is brought to you by Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, now build with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sit be healed and the crippled stand singing Son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, Let this world know me by your love.